Well, let me ask a question, or let's ask a question together. Am I afraid? Am I afraid? Stories told about a little girl who uh, was in the grocery store with her mom one day and decided she wanted a, a chocolate egg to take home with her, and, and mom let her take her chocolate egg home, but she could not eat it until after supper. So, of course, she couldn't wait till supper was done, and it was now time to unwrap that chocolate egg and, and, and begin to eat that chocolate egg. And the little girl opens it and bites into it, and lo and behold, it is hollow, nothing in it, just the outside of the egg, empty, futile, hollow, nothing. And as I read that little simple story this week, I could not help but think this, that sometimes our lives may just be like that, hollow empty, futile, nothing. And I began to think a little further and I said, wonder why our lives are like that. And it could be because we get so wrapped up and we, and we, and we bank on our possessions and our experiences and our power and our pleasures. And those things, when it's all said and done, are empty and hollow and futile. That leaves us in despair and maybe even in a depressed frame of mind. Well, there's a man in the Bible that we all know, and, and we know that at some times in his life, he is at the top of the world. He had it all. And then other times in his life, he's at the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. Well, let me take us through a quick road trip here and let's go to the book of first kings find first kings with me if you will and we'll get through this quickly i want to read all of this and make a few points and we'll be done first kings let's find chapter three and let's begin with verse seven i want to find out who this man is reads this way now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know uh, how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people. Or another translation might say wisdom that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern just, justice, behold, I have done according to your words. 
See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there, is, there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed, it had been a dream. All right, flip over to chapter 4, just a few pages over there. Verse number 1, so King Solomon was king over all Israel. Go down to verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men. Down in verse 31 a little further. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. Also he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Flip over to chapter 11, 1 Kings. Verse 1 of chapter 11. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you, Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of Sidians, and Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon, get this, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Now I'm wondering this morning, could it have been that Solomon did not fear the Lord? And, and it makes me wonder about us today how long has it been, church, how long has it been since we have truly considered the fear of the Lord? Now, I love the question that Isaiah asked in Isaiah 50, verse 10. And get this, we need to highlight this. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Now, the one we just read about was Solomon. We, we knew that, it, that he was a king 
And over in the book of Ecclesiastes, turn there with me, if you will. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And this will be, if we had a key verse, this would be our key verse for our time together. Listen to what he says. Verse 13 of chapter 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here it is. Ready? Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. The precious, holy, inerrant, faithful, truthful word of God. Father, thank you for your word today. Now, as we look together at this message, speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know how much uh, I haven't given you any blanks to fill in. I'm sorry about that. So you'll just have to fill in what, what God tells you to fill in there under each question. I want to deal with three questions this morning as, it, as we have some time together. First, a why question. A why question. Have you ever wondered, church, why we sometimes seem to be living, as I referred to, to our children this morning, in a no-fear society? Is the fear of the Lord a forgotten topic? Now, I want us to think about that. Could it be that the reason the fear of the Lord is a forgotten topic is because, get this, we could have possibly lost the focus of God's holiness. I shared this with somebody this week. All throughout the Bible, we read where God or where God will inspire someone to say a word twice, like verily, verily. You've seen that in the Bible. But have you ever seen it verily, verily, verily? Have you ever seen love, love, love? We had not seen any of that, but I can tell you what we have seen. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. Could it be that we have lost the focus of God's holiness? I'm just asking the question. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. R.C. Sproul wrote this, and I quote, the holiness of God affects every aspect of our lives. Economics, politics, athletics, romance, everything with which we are involved. Remember Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, as he received that vision of the holiness of God, what did he say? Woe to me. 
Remember John in Revelation 117 when, when, when he saw the Lord in his glory? This is what it says. He fell down at his feet like a dead man. All throughout the Bible we see there is one characteristic that believers had in common. And they feared God. They lived in the fear of the Lord. Look back at the Old Testament saints. What did they do? They walked in the fear of the Lord. What about Noah? Remember Noah? Hebrews eleven seven says this. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, get this, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. The Proverbs 31 lady in Proverbs 31 verse 30 says this, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I thought about that and what, what is that saying to us today in 2020 church about being holy and reverent and respectful to the Lord? This, this is what came to my mind. That we, number one, that we have been set apart by the grace of God for the purpose of God. See, I'm not quite sure everybody in our world today has found their purpose. So, something else. That our loyalty is no longer to the world and its pleasures. But our, lo our loyalty is to holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. You say, well, where does that take place? Not only in the confines of this building, but wherever we are. Whoever we're with and whatever we're doing. So there's the why question. A what question. What does it mean to live in the fear of of the Lord. Does it, does it mean that, that we live <clears throat> in fright, that we're scared to death of God, and that if we do something wrong, he's going he's gonna to pick up a stick, as, as Brother Rick has there. He's, if God bless him, he's got his walking cane now. He's going to pick up a stick and, and hit us in the head with it? No, that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. The most I did I did a little research on that word fear. The most common Old Testament Old Testament word for fear means this: to stand before God with reverence and respect. Psalm thirty three eight says, "Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him." Proverbs one seven says this: "The fear of the Lord is what the beginning of what we know." That's pretty profound, church. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I love the illustration. A granddad described to his grandson what it meant to walk in the fear of the Lord. He said, this fear is not worrying about God putting his strong hand of discipline on you, but the fear that he, may, that he might take his hand off you. That's the fear. I love what John Piper said. Any of you read John Piper? Read, read some of his stuff. This is what he said, and I quote, Fearing God means that God is so powerful, 
so holy, so awesome that we would not dare to run away from him, but only run to him. Boy, is that powerful. And then lastly, there's a how question. The how question. How can we put a grip? How can we put a grip on the truth of God's word and begin living in the fear of the Lord as individuals and as a church body? How can that be done? Where do we start? The very place we begin everything else in our Christian journey. And you hold it in your hand. The precious word of God. The precious word of God. Listen to Proverbs. And we're about done. Proverbs. Chapter number 2. Verses 1 through 5. I want to... I want to encourage you to dissect, pick apart, memorize, put into practice. If you don't get anything out of the message today, get these five verses. Proverbs 2, 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding... Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her, that's wisdom, as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, get this, verse 5, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Did you see the prerequisites? Did you see all the things that came before that? Okay, I'm not talking about doing all these works and being on God's side and getting on His good graces. We can't work enough. But did you see those things? Receive and treasure and apply and cry and seek and search, and then we will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Ecclesiastes. We'll wrap it up with this. 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Who among you, Isaiah says, fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? I used to subscribe to Christianity Today. It's a great magazine, but it got a little, got a little pricey. So I don't, I don't take that anymore. I read some articles occasionally on the Internet from Christianity Today. And I want to close with this article, if you would allow me to. William D. Eisenhower, Christianity Today. And that article is entitled, entitled, Fearing God. Unfortunately, many of us presume that the world is the ultimate threat that God's function is to offset it. How different this is from the biblical position that God is far scarier than the world. When we assume that the world is the ultimate threat, we give it unwarranted power, for in truth, the world's threats are temporary. When we expect God to balance the stress of the world, we reduce him to the world's equal. And he goes on to say, this is what he says, as I walk with the Lord, I discover that God poses an ominous threat to my ego, but not to me. 
He rescues me from my delusions so he may reveal the truth that sets me free. He casts me down only to lift me up again. He sits in judgment of my sin but forgives me nevertheless. Get this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for all the scriptures that we read and from 1 Kings and about Solomon and how he was on the top of the world. And then at the same time, he, he, he caved into temptation and all those foreign women brought him down. And, and Lord, that God, you were disappointed in him because he disobeyed you. God, but you still loved him. You still used him. You forgave him. And that's with us today, God. We've all blown it. We've all messed up. We've all disappointed you. But God, you still love us. You still pick us up. You brush us off and you send us on our way. But God, I think tonight, today that you've reminded us that we need to reevaluate what we're focused on. And Lord, my prayer is that we, each one under the sound of my voice, will be focused on you. That we would fear you. Not that you will punish us, but the fear that you may take your hand off of us. Lord, what a sad commentary that would be. Lord, I pray that we would never do, say, or think anything That would cause you disappointment. But God, we know we will because we're sinners. We're human. We're born with that sin nature, and we're going to mess up. But God, remind us that you love us. You'll forgive us. Speak to our hearts now as we sing this hymn of dedication. May we respond to the Holy Spirit's call on our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Number 302, we've been singing it last two Sundays. We'll sing it again, and we'll sing it next Sunday as well. So let's stand as we sing.